Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, Josh. I do have the handouts here. I, I, I think... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, twenty. Okay. So you're right, there's more than twenty. I was going, oh no, it's Valentine's Day. But it doesn't matter. The people who came here are in love with the Lord, amen? All right. Well, I'm glad you came. This is great. This is great. We're going to continue on in this series. Um, that Pastor Terry has, has uh, given us. And today is actually linked to the loosening and binding lesson. The scripture that he read is linked in today's. And today we're going to be learning about multiplying faith. Okay? Multiplying faith. And how important it is to multiply faith in prayer. Um, and this isn't a mathematical equation or anything, but it's a beautiful thing. And essentially, what we're talking about today is praying when we come together. And so we're going to deep dive into that tonight and how important that is. But before we go, I want to do a recap. And... I'd like, how many of you have your Bibles here, either on your phone or on paper? Okay, good. I'm, I want, I'm going to give out some scripture, we're going to read it out loud. So I'm going to have you guys read. This is a recap of some things that are important for us to, to remember today. Okay. Can somebody read 1 John 5, 14 to 15? Put up your hand. Who wants to, who wants to read 1 John 5, 14 to 15? Anyone? Okay, all of you said you had Bibles. Now, no, oh, there we go. All right, Andrew. Well, you put up your hand too. Okay, read John 14, 13 to 17. John. No, no, just John. John 14, 13 to 17. Okay. okay. Anybody else want to read? All right. Romans 12, 2. Okay, Romans 12, 2. All right, we're going to keep going. This will, this will give us a good recap. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. You'll read it? All right, Matthew 7, 9 to 11. All right. James 4, 3. Anybody want to read James 4, 3? All right, sister, you can read James 4, 7, 4, 3. All right. Okay, are we ready? Okay. Let's start. Okay, who did I give 1 John 5, 14 to 15? Yeah, go ahead, read it out loud. Amen. All right. So, here it is. You know, we ask a lot of things of God, and, and we, you've heard me, you've heard uh, Pastor Terry say how important it is for us to seek God's will when we pray. Right? How important it is. Now, when we're seeking God's will, sometimes when we go to pray, maybe God revealed to you what his will is, or maybe he didn't. Because in Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and know the will of God, right? That test is really a process. So in other words, when we're praying, you may sometimes understand what God wants of you, and you're praying about that. But sometimes you're praying because you believe that God is going to reveal to you his will one way or another. You honestly believe it, which is why James was saying, you know, when you ask, you know, don't doubt. He wasn't saying because you can just go ask willy-nilly everything. It's just that you're, you're going to God in prayer knowing that he loves you and he will reveal 
to you his will. Right? All right. And so when we do that, he hears us. And when we hear and we understand his will, then he will give us because we start to understand his will. And we talked about also about when we, when we go to him and um, we worship him, we thank him, when we put him first, it sort of shapes our thinking, right? When, our, when we pray, you know, I, I talked about what I teach the, the young people, Acts, you know, I say, we know one of the books in Acts. First, A is for adoration, adore God. Just sit there and praise God and adore God. Just make him first in everything in your prayer, right away. For as long as you want, just pray and adore God. Then see, confess. If there's anything that would impede my relationship with you, Lord, right? Confess it. See, right? T, thank God. Thank Him for everything. Thank Him for the air you breathe. Thank Him for the place you live. Thank Him for the food you had today. Thank Him for everything. And S is supplication. So by the time you get to S, you're transformed already. Your mind is being transformed. And then you're ready to actually ask God. Right? Okay, next one. John 14, 13 to 17. Yeah. Oh, okay, Josh. Yeah, okay. Who's next? Who, who, who raised, was that you? Okay. I think it was. All right, here you go. Yeah, 13 to 17. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. All right. Now, I I don't know if you guys remember. Oops, I don't need that. I don't know if you guys remember, but... You know, there's what I call a sandwich, right? This is how they used to literarily write things. And you say, you know, if you do, you know, if you do everything in my name, right? Starts off with that. To glorify God in the Son, if you ask anything in my name. You see that? Ask it in his name, right? Ask it in his name in the middle to glorify God. Do you see that? So when you would, people were very oral back then. I mean, let's think about it, guys. In 30 A.D., 60 A.D., 100 A.D., they didn't have these things called books. Right? Can you imagine how expensive a scroll was? Extremely expensive. So that's why they would go to church to hear that oral aspect of the Bible. And so when you hear, when you would hear this said, they would... Their, their ears would be tuned to catching these patterns when they were read by the priests and the teachers. And these are, these are some of the things that are important for us to hear. You know, when we ask in Jesus' name things that glorify God, right? All right, next one. Oh, I already, uh, Romans 12, 2. Read that whole thing. I gave Romans 12 2 to somebody, didn't I? No? Ah. You see that? that? That's a process. Prayer is this process. Prayer is the process of transformation and renewing of your mind. If, if there's, you know, we read the Bible, but prayer, especially spirit-filled prayer, you know, and it just transforms you, it changes you, it molds you. I mean, talk about being clay in the potter's hands. When you're in prayer and just lost in prayer and the spirit is just changing you, it is transforming you. And this is what it is. And it becomes a point where you start to understand and to discern the Lord's will. I had one of the youth ask us about discerning the Lord's will. 
And we, we have so much. We have the Spirit, we have the Word. But discerning is a, is a, is a process. And yes, you can understand the Lord's will in your life. That is possible. That is possible. All right, the next one, Matthew. I gave, did I give Matthew 7, 9 to 11 to somebody? Ah, go ahead. Um, or which one you? Ah, wait a minute, sorry, sorry. I'm bad at logistics. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Amen. So yes, we, ha- we are to discern God's will and seek after his will. But we are his children too. It might seem like a contradiction, but it isn't. Both can coexist. Sometimes it's a paradox, right? A paradox is two things that may sound opposite but are not. We are to seek God's will, but we're his children, so he wants us to ask him of things. There's nothing wrong with that. And if we don't know and we're seeking him, we're still in his will because he asks us to seek him. Right? And to seek him is God's will, even at the basic, most fundamental level. To see God is his will, to seek relationship with him. If anything, that is the basic, the most important. And as his children, just like Jesus said, you know, let the little children come to me, you know. It, it's the basic level of scripture is, is, is children, the example of children. All right. Was that the last? No, that wasn't the last one, was it? Yeah, I think that was the last one, right? Did I give James 4.3 to anybody? Yeah? Okay. Here, let me give you the mic. I keep forgetting to give the mic to everybody, but when I remember, let me remember. Yeah. James 4.3. You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pledges. Mm-hmm. So, so important that when we go to prayer that our life, our ways, our walk is righteous before the Lord. And we can't make ourselves righteous. We have to go before the Lord and confess our sins, right? Make it right with others that, that maybe we may have wronged. Whatever it is, maybe we're walking in, in some kind of stronghold, believing in a lie, that could impede us in some way, right? That's what we learned from Pastor Terry. We, in some area of our life, it can impede God's ability to work in that area of your life. So you ask wrongly, as some, as some scriptures have said, right? And so just to recap a bit, and then we talked about strongholds, right? When you believe a lie, that can be a negative impact stronghold in your life. You believed a lie, and that stronghold has taken hold of you. And that, I, I sometimes, you know, those strongholds, the enemy, you know, although the enemy can't possess you, but the enemy can start almost like a puppet on a string, pull on that string. Like there's a hook. I sort of call them leeches. You know, when you believe a lie, you allow a leech to attach to you. It can't go in your body, but it sucks your blood out and makes you weak. So sometimes strongholds are like leeches. You know, you have, to, you have to recognize them and you have to deal with them. And that's, you know, Pastor Terry talked a lot about that. And today's, today's lesson is about multiplying your faith. It's actually connected to the same scripture he used to talk about strongholds. And we're going to learn why today. So let's, let's dig in. Let's dig into scripture. The key scripture today is Matthew 18... 
18 to 20. Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Okay? So let's read it. I'll read it out. It's my turn. Truly, oh, by the way, I'm reading out of the ESV. Um, Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Right? That was what we've been studying this past two Wednesdays. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree, right after that, right after that it says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Nonetheless, do not replace, rejoice in this. Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong scripture. Uh, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Right? So we have this connection between binding and loosening the strongholds and the coming together of two or more. And when two or more come together, there I will be, the Lord says. So what is going on? That is what I want to dig into tonight. What is going on with that? Why is it connected? And why is it so important? Why is it so important? Are you ready? All right. Let's read. Let's read the full context of Matthew 18. Now, when you read scripture, two things you should always do. Okay, I know every teacher has his own way of doing it, but two things I recommend you always do. First, you don't just read one verse and stop there. Read the verse in context. What that means is read the verse as it's being used in the paragraph or the section and why it's being used that way. Because it's interconnected. You know, sometimes reporters will, you know, take a, uh, you know, a statement that's read by the prime minister or one of the leaders of the opposition and totally twist it around, right? And, and forget about everything that was said before and everything that was said after. It's the same thing in scripture. You can't just take a piece of scripture and rip it out. You know who does that very well? Jehovah's Witnesses. They are... The best at that. They are. Trust me. I know. Personally, I know. Because before I was saved, I fell into that trap. Right? I was a young teenager and my parents fell into that trap and I went all along. And we didn't read, we didn't read the, uh, you know, the Bible that much. We read the Watchtower. We only read the Bible and the Watchtower told us to go to the Bible. Now you know, right? And I, so the other day, two, two Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door and uh, they said, oh, we'd like to give you this. And I said, I'm born again. I'm Pentecostal. I have the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you very much. And then I closed the door. They, said, they just said, thank you. And, and my wife goes, you should have kept going. I said, yeah, you're right. I should have kept going. <laughs> Next time they come, I'm going to keep going. Because there's one thing that I learned about Jehovah's Witnesses is... This is a site, so I get a little bit off track sometimes. Is if you tell them, stop reading the Watchtower and read your Bible, even though their Bible has been altered slightly, there are so many testimonies of people who actually start reading the Bible, Jehovah's Witnesses, who stop reading the Watchtower and start reading the Bible, and then they start to see, oh, what Christians are saying is actually true. Because they'll take one statement and completely rip it out and take it out of context. So context is so important. So we're going to read the context in this. The second thing you should always do is read it systematically. And what we mean by that is if we believe that God is the author of Scripture, that same idea will be used in other places in the Bible. Okay? And so you can go across and see how is that idea. You know, Logos, you know how it says word? In the beginning was the word. The word is logos, right? Logos. Logos doesn't mean like the, the written physical word, you know. It actually means the idea, the meaning of the word, right? So the meaning of the word, the meaning of what is stated and what is said, the truth, if you want to put it that way. It's good to also see how it's used in other aspects 
in Scripture. Because then you get an idea. So you want to look deep and you want to look wide. Okay? How is it used elsewhere? Because if you don't do one or the other, you might misuse or misapply or misunderstand its full meaning. And we're going to do a little bit of that today, okay? So you can see what I'm getting at. So we're going to start with deep diving into the context, and then I'll take you to other places where this meaning is, and then you'll see how this all interconnects, and then we can bring it back together, okay? All right. So, Matthew 18, 15, 20. The first thing I want to point out is... Um, John said that Jesus said so much and taught so much that you couldn't record everything, right? So they had to be selective in what they recorded. Now, when they recorded things, they put things into little clips or episodes, right? This little teaching. And there could have been a whole bunch of things that were done, and then the Holy Spirit says, okay, Matthew, now write about this little teaching. And, you know, maybe... Matthew thought, I'm just making this all up, but if I'm writing and I'm Matthew, and say, what about this? And the Holy Spirit, no, 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 go to this. And that compilation, so many people have studied in the Bible, the comp- not just the words, but the compilation, and it actually has an organization to it. It is deliberate. And so when you look at the context, you look at what's happening before and after as well. So let me give you an understanding. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew 18. But in Matthew 18, well, how does it start off? Well, it starts off with, who's the greatest, right? Before Matthew, eight, Matthew 18, before Matthew 18, 15 to 20, which is what we're going to be diving into, it says, who is the greatest? And Jesus says, you've got to be like a child. You know, all of a sudden, the disciples are wanting to say, who's the greatest? You know, they're thinking of hierarchy. God isn't thinking of hierarchy. And then right after that, it's about temptation to sin, right? And, God, and Jesus is saying, woe to the one that temptation comes from. Better ought to cut off the hand, right? So that's next teaching, right? So you got that teaching, then that teaching. Then it's the parable of the lost sheep, right? And, and not to, do not despise the young ones, right? Do not despise, so woe, right? And if your brother sins against you, and then boom, that's where, the, that's where we are. Do you see how it's purposeful? And it's leading us down a path. So now we're going to read today's key scripture in, in that. So let's read, starting at verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Right? But if he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you. See that? Take one or two others along with you. So there's two or more. That every charge may be established of the evidence of two or three witnesses. So okay, you've got a dispute. Can't resolve it between the two of you. You bring somebody else into it and you're trying to resolve it. And then it goes on in verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, to the people you've brought that say, yeah, I agree, you know, like this is something wrong and, and your brother needs to, our brother needs to, to see this. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. You see this escalation. There's this natural escalation of, of multiplying of people involved right let him be to you and then if he doesn't listen to the church now here comes the discipline right if he doesn't listen to the church let him be to you as a gentile and tax collector Ooh, harsh real harsh and this is where the scripture comes where we talked about strongholds so what's happening here is there's a stronghold that's blinding somebody from what they're doing. And here it is. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Again I say to you, here it comes, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the, my Father in heaven. 
For there, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Do you see that? So the binding and loosening, the strongholds, the context in which we've been teaching is, is being taught in this discipline. And then right after, the stories right after is Peter asks, well, how many times do I forgive? Seven times? And she says, 77 times. He just picked some big number. And then right after this, it's the parable of the unforgiven servant, right? And then he started his last journey to Jerusalem where he would go to the cross. But you can see Jesus is talking about all the things that can cause you to sin and then the discipline of the brother. And then he brings in forgiveness. And you go, wait, 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 wait. He just talked about disciplining somebody. He's talking about forgiveness too. You know, you might, isn't that a contradiction? No. It might be a paradox. Maybe paradox to you, both are true. You need to discipline and forgive. You need to discipline and love and embrace. Restore. Right? Restore. If they choose not to want to be restored, if they choose to be stubborn because there's a stronghold, that becomes the problem. That becomes the problem. And so, what happened here is that the authority to discipline came when more than one believer came together. Do you see that? There is an authority situation happening in this context. Okay? So let's go to Deuteronomy because this is where it came from. So we did the con contextual understanding of the scripture. Now let's look at the systematic aspect of the scripture. Deuteronomy 19.15. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy 19.15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So when two people or more come together, there's an authority there, right? The same thing with Deuteronomy 17.6, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, one person is not enough authority, not enough evidence, not enough weight to exercise a discipline. Now, when Jesus was teaching us, if we go back to what we just read in Matthew, when Jesus was teaching this, the Jewish people would have known, oh, this is from Deuteronomy. Yeah, I get it. But the difference here is, the difference is that then they would have to bring it to the elders. The witnesses would come before the elders. But Jesus is saying, when you come before me, it's not before the elders. I'm going to be there. You don't need to do that anymore. I'm going to be there. And so if the witnesses, you know how we just all read seeking God's will? So if the witnesses are purely seeking God's will, prayerfully, you know, they're not just like, this isn't happening in real time. This is like a real life situation. People are praying. Oh, somebody did something wrong. I'm going to pray. This could be happening over days or weeks. I'm going to try and deal with it. Can't. Bring somebody in. Both, now, now two people, more than maybe two or three, are prayerfully seeking God. And now there seems to be an authority that Jesus is bringing into that. Because when two people come together, if you're praying together, if you're trying to resolve something together, you actually start to depend on each other. You're praying about the same situation together. And Jesus is saying, my authority starts to come when that happens. Not the authority of the elders. Mine, when two or more are there, I. Do you see the context of this? It's about his authority coming in when more than one person begins to pray together about the same thing. Okay. So it's about authority. In Deuteronomy, it's about authority. So when two or more come together, there's authority only when in discipline? No. I'm going to give you one more systematic view. Okay? The 72, remember when Jesus sent out the 72? 
And uh, let's go to that. I think that's in Luke. Is that in Luke? I think it's in Luke. Luke 10. Yes, Luke 10. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead, two by two, in every town and place where he, was, he, where he himself was about to go. He didn't send them out one by one. Like if you want to cover more territory mathematically, you send them out one by one and you cover more, more territory. But he sent them out two by two. 72 is a very symbolic number. You know, the people in the Bible use numbers symbolically. So you'll see in chapter 10 of Genesis, there are 17 world nations. But anyway, getting a little bit off topic again. Sorry. So 72, two by two. Why? Well, let's read what happened. Let's go down to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. Now, had the Spirit come? Pentecost hadn't happened yet, right? But Jesus sent his authority out. Remember, we read that? Where two or more gather my authority, you will, I will be with them. The Father's will would be done, especially if you're seeking the Father's will. Like, just like we read at the beginning. I'm seeking God. God, what should I do here? This, you know, what should we do here? Same thing these people were doing. Lord, I'm going to this town. The authority of Jesus is going with them. And in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, the Lord, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, our, in your name. And then jumping to verse 19, behold, I have given you authority. See that? Authority. And then he goes, nevertheless, do not rejoice in the authority you've been given or what the authority that I've given you does. Don't glorify in that. Don't glorify in disciplining others. Don't glorify in the fact that you've cast out demons. Yes, be joyful in the fact that God has given you that power. But what does he say? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Eh? Don't rejoice about the signs and wonders. Be happy that God gives us, but rejoice about what happens. When two or more are gathered and we're praying, we're praying in praise, we're praying on our knees, and Jesus' authority is there. That's the multiplier effect. You see, when two or more gather together, there is something special that happens. There is an authority that is given. Yes, there's an authority that is given in Jesus' name, but there is even greater multiplying effect. It skyrockets. I don't know. How many of you are into math? It's like a logarithmic function, you know, when you get together. It's a room. Like, okay, the hockey stick effect. That, everybody can understand that. It goes like this, and then when two or more together, it just jumps up. Okay? The authority comes in. When we prayed at the beginning... There was an authority in that prayer because we were praying it together, not because I was doing it because I'm a pastor, but because we were in agreement together. And when we're in agreement seeking God together, there's an authority that comes in that. Now, it can also work the other way. Sometimes that authority can actually be negative. Let's look at examples of that. Genesis 9. Genesis 9, I think verse 1. I, get my Bible here. Sorry, Pastor Dino. I use the phone. He would always bug me. Where is your, where is your Bible? Right here, Pastor. It's lighter this way. Okay, Genesis. Or did I say Genesis 10? I said Genesis 9, right? 9. Okay. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Fill the earth. 
scatter, some, some scriptures say. Go throughout the earth and scatter and fill the earth, right? Just like the 72 out, go out and scatter. Well, let's go to verse 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as people moved eastward, now, there's nothing wrong with going east, but when Lot left Abraham, he went east. When Cain, after he had done and been cast out, where did he go? He went east. So now the people from Noah's descendants, there was a group that started to go east. Now, I don't think they had compasses back then, but it's saying that they went in a direction that wasn't God's will. I think that's trying to say there, okay? And as the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Yeah, building a tower is trying to make yourself money, and I've heard some people talk about that. I agree that you shouldn't try to make yourself high and mighty, but really, when you read the scripture, remember context, in context, and then systematic, it's because God told them to go and scatter throughout the earth and fill it. And this group that went eastward did the exact opposite of what God told them to do. So God said, okay, I'm going to make all these languages so you guys can't understand each other and then they scattered. So sometimes when you're not seeking God's will, remember we read all about seeking God's will? You don't have to know God's will right away but there's a process when you're seeking God's will and you come together, good things will happen. But if you're not seeking, a bunch of you can get together and pray but you're not seeking God's will, don't expect good things to happen. There's a negative multiplier effect on the opposite end. So you have to be careful. It isn't, don't always assume, well, two or three of us are praying, everything is fine, the authority of the Lord is there. No. If you're doing something to glorify God, if you're doing something by the, for the will of the Father, we will hear you. But if you're not doing that, just because you come together, doesn't mean that you're filling God's will. So, Amos 3.3 says this, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? That word agreed in verse 2 of Amos says to know. So agreeing and to know, to deeply know each other in a way that you agree and you walk together. An agreement that's based on knowledge. So when people come together and they're seeking God's will, they begin to almost know together something special is happening. And we have one more story. I'm not going to go through it in detail, but it's an act. And I'll tell you the story. Maybe this can be your homework. Peter and John, right? Peter had just, the Holy Spirit had come on the day of Pentecost, and, and Peter had just preached, and then in chapter 4, he's out there, Peter and John are out there preaching, right? Acts chapter 4, pretty sure. Yeah, Acts chapter 4 and 5, okay? And so they are, and they're told... Right? There's a group of people on the negative side saying, you can't preach this Jesus. And then there's two that says, no. We're going to preach Jesus no matter what. There's a group not doing the will of God, and there's two within the will of God, and the authority of God comes over them. And then see what happens. That's your homework. But you see... There is power when we come together as brothers and sisters. Church isn't just for fellowship. We know that church is also, each one of us has been given gifts 
of the Holy Spirit to share with one another? There's many reasons. But one of the most beautiful reasons why we come together is that when we come together in agreement and we're in prayer for worship or we're in prayer together, there's an authority that comes upon us, especially when we're in agreement together. There is an authority that Jesus comes upon us when we're seeking his will, we're in agreement together, we are, God is hearing us and his authority comes upon us. Whether it is to try and seek correction, whether it is to go out and evangelize, whether it is to pray and intercede, it doesn't matter. And so for us, when we come together in agreement, there is an authority that lands on us. And it multiplies our ability as a church to impact this world. Because what ended up happening is the council couldn't touch them and they kept on going. When Paul was out evangelizing, he was always with somebody. And they could beat him and throw him in prison, but every time they did that, more happened. When he was in prison and... You know, they were expecting him, and he's in chains, and they're expecting him to be miserable. He's singing praises to God. And jailers are getting saved. Because the two that were in the prison were in agreement with each other to praise God above all Acts, right? Adore God. We'll get to, Lord, you know, it'd be nice if you get us out of jail, but for now, we're just going to praise you. Crazy, eh? You see what happens when we come together in agreement with one another? Begin at home, you know? Begin at home. Spouses, children, come together and pray and agree with one another what's going on. Agree with one another. Friends, your friends, come together, agree, pray on something. Say, let's seek the Lord's will on this together. Pray on it together. Here at church, seek someone out. Share with them. And make that prayer a journey together. It doesn't have to be a one-time thing. In fact, it's actually even more beautiful when somebody comes to share with you and says, this is what I'm praying about. And you walk with them side by side. And maybe you pray with them throughout the week. And you pray with them when they come to church. And when you don't see them, you pray for them. And then you come together and you pray together. That becomes a journey of seeking the Lord's will. And Jesus' authority comes and the effect of strength of that prayer multiplies because his authority is there, not because of our will, not because of what we do, not because there's two of us in that. No, there's something mysterious. It's not logical. It's not human effort. It's a mystery, just like the Trinity. When we come together and we pray and agree and seek God in a pure heart, Jesus is there. And things will happen. That is his promise. That is his promise. All right. It is 8 o'clock. 8.02. So before we wrap up, any questions? This is a Bible study. You can ask questions. Any questions? Yes. Yes. And then it says, but it goes on to say, um, descending, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing. Yes. And that's why, like, to me, like for families, yes. to be in agreement. Yes. You just connected something to me. Yeah, the authority comes down. There's another good example in Scripture. You start to see, you know, in context and across the Bible, you start to see those patterns. 
Then you know for sure, okay, I'm interpreting this right. This makes sense. Now I have to apply it to my life. That's the most important thing. Great, we came here together, but we need to apply it to our lives. Any other questions? Comments, anything? Chris? I don't know, man, but I'll talk to you about it after. How's that? Good? I'm not worried about the snow because I don't have to shovel it, but I'm I'm good. Anyone else? Yes, sister. Sorry? If you agree? If you agree, it also says in verse 2, read Amos verse 2. Can anybody read it out loud? I, I can read it out loud. But it, ah, here, oh, here it is. I got it here. You, on, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. So this is God talking. That word known is the same word as agreed. So do two walk together unless they have agreed, unless they have known? What happens is, is when you walk together, whether it's in a positive or negative, the opposites can't stay together. If you are walking in seeking God's will and doing what's righteous before God's eye, if somebody else that is walking with you is doing the exact opposite, it's not going to work. In other words, that you, you will not be in agreement with one another. You will not know the same thing. You will feel something repelling you from being with that person. Okay? That's what... Amos, that's what Amos is talking about. So when you're, when you're praying with somebody and you're both seeking God, remember, you have the Spirit in you. If they're going in the same direction as you, not east, but west or north or south, but not east, <laughs> you're going to know. You're gonna, does, that, does that answer the question? Yes. 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 Exactly. And that is the key. The agreement and knowing means that there's unity. There's unity in our desire of our hearts. There's unity in what we're seeking together. There's unity, and then that brings unity with Christ in the Spirit. And that's when his authority comes in. Okay? There's something special and beautiful. There's something mysterious about when, when there's unity in prayer and understanding the purpose. The Bible says... In Proverbs, I actually wrote it here. I didn't think I was going to use it, but actually I'm going to use it. Many of the plans, Proverbs 19.20, many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Right? So that prayer of together coming to in prayer, it actually helps us get to understand the purpose of God's will. It helps us go through that process too. And think about it, if there's more of us going, seeking God's will on something, the faster we'll get there, as an example. The better understanding we'll have. Yes? Proverbs 19.21. When, when I read this, oh yeah, this is like Dino's, Pastor Dino's, uh, you know, write your plans in pencil and give God the eraser, you know. Anyway, we are over now. I am going to... uh, There was one more? Yes, one more question. Yes? Sorry? No, no, I'm saying that a lot of times when we come come together, right, 
there are a lot of things in our minds. You know, we come together with lots of asks. Oh God, there's this problem, there's this problem in my life, there's this going on, there's that going on, right? Many are the plans. Oh, I think I should do it this way or that way, right? And so when you come to prayer, but when two or more come together, you're talking to each other, you're trying to bring unity in, into what you're trying to do. So those thoughts and those plans start to become less important than what you bringing together. And so the purpose of the Lord will always stand. So there's an authority that comes, there's a multiplier effect in our faith. Our faith grows when we're in agreement. Our faith grows when we're in unity. When we come and we come together just like tonight and we pray together and we hear, our faith just increases. And we become bolder and stronger in the convictions that we have that the Lord has put there. Amen? All right, let us, let us stand and let us pray. You're welcome, sister. We could stay here all night if you wanted to, but my wife who's downstairs with the little ones is going to say, what took you so long? <laughs> all right. Let us pray. Father, you have done great things, and your word is so beautiful, so beautiful. Help us to apply what we've learned and heard. And Lord, tonight... We are coming here in agreement, in unity, to seek you, to, to seek your will in our lives for this church. And at, at the very basic, Lord, we here are in agreement that we love you, we want to see you work in our lives and the lives of the people that we pray for, the people that we bring before you, we agree, Lord, and we stand together that we want to do your will. That we want to see you bless many in the knowledge of you being their Savior. Lord, we also come in agreement that your spirit would just pour, pour out on all of us. Give us strength. Help us to pray for one another. Help us increase our faith. We love you and we thank you. We praise your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a good evening. See you Sunday. <laughs>